Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. Today in the studio. Hi, this is Sean Acor. I'm a happiness researcher, and I just finished recording the audiobook of Big Potential. Big Potential is based upon an idea that I've been thinking about now for over a decade because I wrote a book called The Happiness Advantage that came out in 2010. And that book was all about how do you create these individual habits to create happiness within your life? Gratitude exercises, journaling, exercising, meditating, all these things are about you. And what we found is when your brain becomes more positive, every single business and educational outcome improves. So we found out that happiness was this incredible advantage. For the past eight years, I've been talking about this all over the world, a hundred talks a year to companies and to schools and to communities. And as I looked at the data, I started to realize that if happiness was all about just you, there's this invisible cap that occurs in terms of your happiness, where we can't seem to sustain the growth or continue its growth up even higher. So we started to think a little bit differently about happiness. And the conclusion I came to, which is the reason I wrote Big Potential, is that I think that happiness while it is an individual choice, it's not just a personal choice. It's also an interconnected one. When we choose to be more positive, we make it easier for other people to be more grateful and joyous and positive around us. And when they're positive, it makes it easier for us to be happier. And then as we looked at the data, it turns out it wasn't just happiness, it was everything. Creativity, energy, leadership, intelligence, all these things that we measure in isolation. Like we get you to go take a test in a room by yourself to test how smart you are. What we were finding was that your creativity, your intelligence, your humor change based upon the people that are in the room with you. That all of these traits were interconnected traits. And if we really want to see the largest parts of our potential, what we now call big potential, we actually had to pursue happiness and success in a completely different way. We had to do it with other people. Part of the reason I felt so compelled to write this book is I saw a study come out that said that during the past decade that I've been sharing all this research, depression rates had doubled during this time period and that the hospitalizations for suicide for eight-year-olds had doubled as well. For eight-year-olds. I've got a little son at home who's three and a half now, and I don't want him growing up in that world. And I think the reason that we're experiencing so many of these negative things is because I feel like we're being crushed by the belief that we have to pursue happiness and success alone, which leads to isolation, which leads us to hyper-comparing on social media, which causes us to always feel like we're not enough. And what I wanted people to realize was that we're not in this alone. Not only are other people experiencing some of these negative things, but also the way out was to actually pursue happiness and success with other people. And that is exactly what Big Potential is all about. One of the things that surprised me about recording the audiobook is that I realized that not only do I slur words, that I'm lazy having grown up in Texas with my words, but also I speak very quickly in my talks. If you've seen my TED Talk, I had to fit an hour's worth of content into about 12 minutes. So I have, over time, naturally 
contracted words to save a little bit of time. <laughs> I don't know about how much time I've saved in my life, but instead of saying things like positive, I say positive. So I can actually save that one syllable for something <laughs> in the future that's very important. I do that with a lot of words. So I'm much better at day three of recording the audiobook as I was at day one because I learned to actually say the entire word of what I was trying to say. But that was definitely challenging. I realized that there's also some words I say wrong. My wife was a network news anchor for CBS. She did the early, early show in New York, and she's very good at reading out loud. So when I hear her reading to our son Leo at night, it sounds good. For me, I stumble every two or three sentences, which is fine because that's how normal conversation is. I read these books to my son, and one of the things that I oftentimes say is I say woof instead of wolf. I think it's one of those things that I contracted to make it easier. Wolf seems to take forever to say, but my wife keeps popping her head in the room and saying, wolf is something a dog does. It's not something that walks around in a forest. <laughs> and for some reason, I wrote the word wolf multiple times in this book. So that was, <laughs> that was incredibly challenging. I'm really excited for listeners to hear, first of all, my voice. I think that it's so important in audiobooks for people to read their own books because I think you feel like you get to really know the person, that you have a conversation with them. I listen to audiobooks almost exclusively now. I walk around airports listening to audiobooks. So for me, I'm really excited that while I might not be the best audiobook reader, they're actually getting to hear my inflection and the things that get me excited. The other thing is, I know as an author, now that we have things like the Kindle where we can look to see on e-readers where people stop reading, we know that the average reader stops reading about a third of the way through the book, which is heartbreaking. <laughs> so we cram all of this positive content, all our best stuff into the first third of the book, hoping that you'll read the second two thirds of it. But I intentionally try not to do that with this book. Some of my absolute favorite parts of the book don't come until the later chapters of the book, including the conclusion. Like I really want people to make it all the way there. So I'm excited for listeners, if they can, to listen all the way to the end of the book, because I think that gives you the full picture of what we're actually trying to talk about as we pursue happiness and success together. If I wasn't going to record my own audiobook, though, I might have my wife read it. I don't know if she could do a male voice very well, but she understands so well what I'm trying to say. You can hear her voice in some of the edits in my book that I think that there wouldn't be anyone better than me to do it than except maybe my wife, Michelle Geelan. There's something special about listening to an audiobook that I don't get when I read a book by itself. Now I listen to audiobooks, and if I really, really like the book and want to take notes, then I'll read the physical book after listening to the audiobook. And I think that happened partly because of my childhood. Both of my parents are educators. My father is a neuroscientist, and my mom was an English teacher. And I remember at night, my sister Amy and I would sit on couches right next to my mom, and she would read novels to us that she was teaching to her ninth grade high school classes. And sometimes we were too young. We didn't understand what we were reading. I remember that there was a, a book called Across Five Aprils, which was about civil war and these brothers going to war against one another. And I don't think I got any of the political ramifications of what was going on. But what I did get was a love for listening to books being read. I mean, we come from a society where for thousands of years, we were listening to oral histories. So now we can read things on our own and we can read things quickly on social media. But I think that there's something that's so lost when we don't get to hear the voice 
connected to the author who was thinking of that idea in the first place. And connected to this, I also read to my son every night. We read five books before going to sleep, which was a great idea when he was little and there were like two words a page. Now (laughs) that reading period is almost like an hour long to get him to go to sleep with these five books that keep getting longer and longer. But I love it because it's a collaborative experience. He can't read by himself right now, but at some point he will be able to. But I don't want it to just be an individual pursuit. I want reading to be a collaborative one, which is exactly what Big Potential is about. We pursue success and happiness together, so we should be reading together as well. So I love getting to read books to my son, and I hope that continues on for the next decade. I had been reading through Big Potential over and over again, trying to get it so it was in my head, so I thought that I'd be able to finish these three days in two days. I thought I'd be really quick at it. That's actually not nearly as helpful is what I would do a week before recording the audiobook is I would practice reading anything out loud, reading newspapers out loud. I would read news stories out loud. I would read books out loud as much as possible because it's a completely different skill set than what I do as a speaker or as a person in conversation or as a therapist would do or somebody that would be speaking on television. Reading an audiobook, you have to keep the words so clear, which you actually have to practice before going in. So I would have spent a whole week actually just practicing reading out loud. I listened to a lot of fantasy audiobooks. I loved Robert Jordan's series, The Wheel of Time. I thought the reading and recording of it was just absolutely beautiful. I love Patrick Rothfuss' The Name of the Wind. Love the first two books. Can't wait for the third book to come out. I have listened to it, I think, five times now. I listened to C.S. Lewis and Rob Bell on repeat because I just love the way that I think about the world when I see it through their lens. I travel all the time. I give 100 talks a year. So I'm on planes and standing in TSA lines. I feel like I consume so much more in terms of reading because that time that would have been perhaps wasted, being frustrated, standing in a security line, is now actually being enriched by people like a Rob Bell or a Liz Gilbert or a Patrick Rothfuss. So having recorded an audiobook of my own, I'm just in awe at authors who can do these fantasy novels where they do all these different voices. How in the world do they keep those voices in their head enough to be able to differentiate like 400 characters and remember what the voice was supposed to be like and impart emotion and get all the words right? I literally was struggling to just get the words right that I'd written, much less being able to do it in character. So, so impressed by people like that. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening.